tribulation and the millennial kingdoms come it doesn't matter because you've been saved by faith in jesus who is always okay does that mean that you should just keep doing lousy stuff no but what it means is that oftentimes our eyes are too focused on us and not nearly focused enough on jesus that's what it means are you having a rough day week or even season spiritually is the temptation to sin overwhelming and following jesus is hard daily This happens to everyone at some point in their faith journey. But Pastor Daniel has some great news today. Jesus isn't going to abandon you. He's still with you, still drawing your heart to him and blessing you, even when you don't feel it. Let that encouragement bring you to your Savior's arms. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 4 as he continues his message, Saved by Faith. saved by all these amazing things that he did all these amazing things he was involved in he was always saved by faith so although he was an amazing person he had things to boast about before other people but not before God because look what it says in verse 3 for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness that's a quotation from Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 Abraham what he believed God And because he believed in God, it was what? It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now that word accounted, it's an accounting term. It literally means it was reckoned unto him. It was imputed to him. And right there in Genesis 15, 6, we get the good news of Jesus. How is someone saved? When you believe God and you believe in his son Jesus, then God reckons unto you the righteousness that Jesus had in himself. That's the good news. And I'm here to tell you, this is why Christianity in every generation, and especially in our generation, is so challenging. Because we live in a, you gotta do it. You gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You gotta be a self-made person. You have to take those steps. And Christianity comes and says, well, actually, no positive step that you take will actually save you. Only believing upon Jesus can save you. Now, you know why this is so challenging? Because we have all learned that if you do good, you will be loved. And if you do not do good, you will not be loved. Right? We all have been raised in an environment that is love is conditional. I'll love you if you do the things I want. And a lot of us, the love, the environment that we were raised in was so broken that even if you did the things they wanted, they still didn't love you. So you spent your whole life trying to do all these things that you think that your parents wanted or the people around you wanted, and then you did them and you still didn't get the love that you were hoping for. Right? And so we've all been socialized in a culture that says, In order for you to have, you need to do. And then Christianity comes in from a completely different angle. Where the good news is not that you have to do so that God loves you. The good news is is that God loves you and Jesus already did. 
And because Jesus already did, then we trust in Jesus. And because we trust in him, we are accepted by God. Now, what I love so much about this good news of Jesus is the fact that it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how bad your history is or isn't. Everybody comes in need of a savior and all you need to do is believe upon Jesus who was God's provision. And you gotta ask yourself, are you trusting in Jesus or are you trusting in your performance as you respond to Jesus? See, we always talk here about simply responding to Jesus because once you're saved by Jesus, then that, it changes the way that you live. But I'm here to tell you, nobody is saved by the fact that God changed how they lived. And actually, if you look in the scriptures, everybody who's been saved in the Bible still made mistakes, didn't they? I mean, me and my kids were just talking about this the other day. Actually, I'll tell you now, even though I'm getting ahead of myself. We were talking about King David. And one of my kids was like, hey, so, but didn't King David like make a really bad mistake? I'm like, yeah, lots of them. But he wrote so many of the Psalms. Yeah. He was a picture of the great king. Yeah. And I'm like, because just because someone's saved doesn't mean that they're not a knucklehead sometimes. Just because someone's saved doesn't mean that they're never going to have an issue. They're not going to make bad decisions. The Bible is full of people who make bad decisions. Because the thing is, is if you were saved by your performance, every bad decision throws you out of the kingdom of God. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you and I are saved by faith apart from the things that we do. See, what's interesting is in verse 4, what the apostle Paul does is he sees that when you are working, the wages are counted as debt. So what he's saying is that You know, like when you work at your job, whether you get paid salaried or hourly, you do the job and then you expect the paycheck because you showed up for work, right? Now, if you have a job, and everyone should have a job where it's like you only get paid if you do the work, right? Like if you don't show up, you don't get paid, right? So really, when you get a paycheck, you don't see that paycheck as a gift because you earned it, right? It's like, and if, imagine if you did the job and your paycheck comes and the money's not on there, then you're like, uh, excuse me, HR, I did the job. Why didn't I get paid for it? And then you get into that whole thing. See, it's not a gift. It's a debt that is owed to you because of what's going on. In biblical times, they would pay workers at the end of every day. And the reason they did that was because it it limited the opportunity for employers to take advantage of employees. Like now, you know, people get paid every two weeks or once a month, you know, and there's more protections for employees than there was in previous cultures. But really what he's saying is that if you're getting saved by works, it's actually not a gift at all. You're actually trying to earn your way in. And unfortunately, even though many of us believe in Jesus, we still have a relationship with God that is like that. Where it's like, Lord, I didn't do that thing that I've been doing for a while. Why haven't you done what I'm asking you to do? Right? Like, Lord, I started being really regular, going to church at Crossroads. And I joined a small group because Pastor Daniel told me, join a small group. And I did all this stuff. Now, why did I not get the free car that I've been waiting for? Why didn't I win the $1 billion Powerball or whatever? I mean, like, Lord, you owe me now. Right? Like, I used to do all this, and I don't do it anymore, and now you owe me. And guess what? That is not the gospel. That's us thinking that if we do better than we did yesterday, then God owes us. And what's amazing is, is for a lot of us, our walks with Jesus are challenging because you actually think God owes you a whole bunch of stuff. You think that God is like a bad credit risk. 
Where it's like, I did all these things, and Lord, why haven't you done what you promised? Like, like Lord, I've done all these things, and why haven't you sent me my spouse? Mm. Right? I'm going to go find my own spouse. Forget waiting on you, Lord. I'm going to do it my own way. And then you start going to the bar, and you start being dumb, and then you wonder why you're miserable. Because you got a dumb spouse who you met at the bar. Like... Because I know how this, I realize some of you like, well, I met my spouse at the bar. But listen, man, God can do a redemptive work. <laughs> but anyone who's been married longer than two minutes realize that when you go to a marriage thinking you're going to change your spouse, you're in for a rude awakening. Isn't it true? Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to fix them. No, they, you're, they're going to fix you. <laughs> like, you get, no one's getting fixed in this thing. Everything's getting broken. Because it's like, you can't, you can't fix, you, you, like, I always tell people when people are getting married, I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, because this person is going to get older, they, by and large, are going to be just like this. Now, I'm not saying that people don't change, but what I am saying is that over time, people's personalities don't radically change. If you marry someone who's really talkative, and, unless like they lose their vocal cords, they're going to be a noisy person the rest of their life. Like That's just how this works. If someone is more calm, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get them all worked up. No, you probably won't. This is who they are. And you're making that commitment. But the idea is that we have to make sure that because we've been saved by faith, like Abraham, that we're not actually expecting because we're changing the way we're living that God owes us some stuff. And I think there's some of you right now who, when I say that, you know that that's you and you're, you're wondering why your walk with Jesus is a little funky right now. You need to stop thinking that God owes you anything. God has been so good to you. He doesn't owe you anything. And if you've been walking with Jesus, it doesn't mean he's going to give you the desires of your heart. It means he's going to give you the desires of his heart. And at best, he transforms your heart to desire what he desires for you. But for a lot of us, we're like, I didn't get the thing I want, so forget this. I'm going to go try something else right now. No, you're putting air freshener on the problem. That's what you're doing. Now, from there, in verse 5, notice what he does. He says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now, not only was Abraham saved by faith, but guess what? David was saved by faith also. David was saved by faith. See, he begins by saying this. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Now, right there. I know it's a mouthful of words. But think about what he's saying. For the person who is not trying to work their way into heaven, but who believes upon the person who declares righteous the ungodly. Now, here's the thing. If you're here today and you're a born-again follower of Jesus... You see how Paul explains you? You are what? Ungodly. See, the idea is that all of us have not been perfect, which makes us unlike God. It's not like that the Bible is negative about us. It's realistic. Because we failed, none of us is like God because God has never failed. Because we have changed and flip-flopped on a million things, that makes us unlike God, which is what ungodly means. It doesn't mean that you're the worst possible version of yourself, but it, what it means is that left up to your own devices, there is nothing that should be drawing to God to grab hold of you, but what God loves to do is he loves to justify the ungodly. Now, how cool is that? But here's the thing. 
The fact that we're a sinner doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It does not mean that we aren't fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image and likeness of God, although fatally flawed. What it means is that none of us, left up to our own devices, deserve salvation. But God loves to justify the ungodly. In all the ways that we are unlike God, God is not like, well, that's it, I'm done with you. He says, no, no, I'm going to declare you righteous. I'm going to justify you. And he says that when you believe upon that God, that person's faith is accounted for what? For righteousness. I love this so, this gets me so excited. Because listen, in my life I've had horrible days and horrible stretches and good days and good stretches. But the good days and the horrible days are actually not the point. Because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you believe upon him, God accounts it to you for righteousness. Not your own righteousness, but Jesus' righteousness. So listen, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're having a terrible time right now, listen, be of good cheer. God does not save you because you're having a good week or a good month or a good year or you're in the seven-year tribulation and the millennial kingdom's coming. It doesn't matter. Because you've been saved by faith in Jesus who is always okay. Now, does that mean that you should just keep doing lousy stuff? No. But what it means is that oftentimes our eyes are too focused on us and not nearly focused enough on Jesus. That's what it means. We get ourselves all caught up in this thing and that thing. But God. But Jesus. See, we learn here. That David describes the same thing. The blessedness of the person whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And then David quotes Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Look what it says. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Have you failed? Have you done things wrong? Guess what? Blessed is the person whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Blessed is the person who's been forgiven. And whose sins have been covered. Truly cleansed. Not just air freshened over by some better activity than last week. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. See, for David, he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, God used him. He was a great warrior. He stood in the gap for the Lord. He honored the king even when the king was a scoundrel. He was a gifted musician. A prophetic, I mean, God used David in innumerable ways, right? And David failed pretty miserably in his journey. He failed as a father. He failed as a king. He shipwrecked, ruined a whole family. But guess what? David realized that he wasn't saved by any of that. And he wasn't actually condemned by it either because God was doing a work. He realized that his performance, although having consequences, was not ultimately the linchpin for his salvation. You know, I think what is challenging for many of us today is that we don't really know how to accept a gift that there's no strings attached to. You know, someone gives you a gift and then, you know, etiquette tells you you got to give them the gift you get, like if someone gives you flowers, you ladies, right? You have to give them the vase back, but then you have to give them flowers in the vase too, right? So everything's got like strings attached to it, right? And so what ends up happening is you start thinking to yourself after time, like, what's the catch? What's the catch? What's the catch? You know, and then when it comes to the things of God, where you're saved by faith apart from works, you're like, well, what's the catch? And guess what? There is no catch. 
When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're saved. God imputes his righteousness to you. And he's not expecting anything back from you. Now, that doesn't mean that your life doesn't change, but you live your life in gratitude of such grace. And that life of gratitude is a transformational experience for us. But Abraham, he was saved by faith. And David was saved by faith. And then look at how this section kind of draws to a close because it says, we pick up in verse 9, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only? Or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted when he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now here you go. I'll just give you the principle that Abraham was saved before circumcision. Abraham was saved before circumcision. Now, I realize discussions of circumcision coming out of the blue is kind of a challenging thing. Right now, I'll never forget this one time I got asked to do a conference. It was funny. I think it was like a, maybe the first or the second time I went to go do this conference, this big pastor's conference. I, was, I think it was the second time. And I remember they were doing the life of Abraham. And when they invited me to come, they said, we're going to have you preach on the passage on circumcision. And I just thought to myself, man, I love my friends. With friends like this, who needs enemies, you know? Because you can imagine, like, they're divvying up the life of Abraham. They got all these things. And like, oh, we'll give the circumcision passage to Fusco. We're going to see what he's going to do with it. You know what I mean? And you know me. Like, I'm just, like, just going to drive it like I stole it. So, like, I'm just like, all right, we're preaching on circumcision. And there was a Swedish lady at this thing. She was doing the ASL, the sign language interpretation. <laughs> you see where this is going, right? So I went out there and I do my whole thing. And I'm like, listen, we're talking about circumcision. I'm like, the only thing that I want to know is what is sign language for circumcision? And I look at this lady. Now, this lady turns beet red. And like, once she realizes what I'm saying and she looks up at me, I'm like, what is it? So I realized the idea is, it's like, why is circumcision coming in? Because Paul's already talked about circumcision in Romans 2, right? And really what he's saying is that for the Jewish people, the sign of the covenant was the circumcision, right? And so now it's going to say, it's like, okay, if Abraham's saved by faith, and if David is saved by faith, well, both of those guys were Jewish, so they were circumcised. So what does this mean then? Does this forgiveness only come for somebody who's circumcised? Now, I know it's a crazy question, but you have to realize that in the early church, this was a big deal because as the apostles were going out and they were preaching the good news of Jesus, right? They're saying, listen, all you need to do to be saved is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Then other people were coming and they were saying, no, 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 you have to be circumcised. And there was a big war going on within the early church. Did men have to become circumcised in order to be saved? Now, I know that that sounds crazy to us, but for an early church, this was a huge thing. Because this was the first time people who weren't Jewish were putting their faith and trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what is needed? And really what we're learning here is that Abraham was saved before he was circumcised. That quotation, Genesis 15, 6, happened way before the covenant of circumcision was even instituted. At least 10 years before. So really what he's saying here is that 
God's accounting of Abraham for righteousness, it happened way before he was even circumcised. Now, here's why this is so important. Because we live in a day and age as followers of Jesus. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. And depending on what church you get saved at or you land in, you learn this is what it means to be righteous. Right? This is what you have to do. You have to be baptized our special way. Right? You have to make sure you get this thing. Someone, the pastor's got to lay hands on you. He's going to make every one of your decisions for you. There's all these different things. If you go around the church at large, there's all these different things that you're supposed to do to be righteous. And I'm here to tell you, as the word of God is my witness, all those things that you do that are signs that you're a believer, none of those things save you. None of them do. Only Jesus saves you. Only Jesus saved. That's why it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen, we want you to grow in your faith. We want your life to be transformed. But don't think that the transformation is what saves you. Jesus saves you. And then Jesus, by the power of his spirit, opens the door in your life for you to be transformed. But the fact that you don't do the things you used to do, or you're stopping to do, or you're fighting the battles to get over the things that you used to do all the time, that is not what saves you. Jesus saves you. And brothers and sisters, this is the most extraordinary reality. Because here's what I want to tell you. You and I need Jesus as much today as we did on the day that we got saved. I need Jesus as much today as on the day that I got saved. It's not like you get saved by Jesus at some time in your history, and then now I don't really need Jesus because I got the Bible, and I got this and that, and all those things are good. But you need Jesus as much today as you did on the day that you got saved. Your righteousness is in Jesus today just the way it was on the very first day. And because of the righteousness that God has shared with you at the cross through the fact that you believe in him, now all of a sudden you begin to live out of that place. You begin to live your life saying, because I am righteous in Jesus, now this is what I do. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel's parting words today held a lot of meaning. You still need Jesus today just as much as you needed him the day you were saved. You need the grace he gives to cover every mistake you'll still make. The closer you draw to him and the more you tell others about him, the more you'll realize that you just can't do this life on your own. Life may change, but your savior is your solid rock, your refuge in all things. I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, 
to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. And my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel cautions you against letting the rituals and rules of faith become more important than the relationship. Nothing can replace the grace Jesus has given you. Though you may find assistance in learning about Jesus by following certain practices, don't let them become your focus. Always let Jesus be where you start. Let him guide all you do. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Life Intention. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.